0: Shalom, my name is Adam, and I welcome you to the parable of the vineyard. Every day, Yahuwah is waking up a remnant, a group of people who are coming out of deceptions, realizing our walk is to consist of faith and obedience to His righteous commands. Each week, we read through and examine a portion of the Torah, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide, teach, and open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of His law. Join us as we seek to be refined by his word, preparing ourselves for the return of our King of Kings, being faithful and obedient, walking in his way, truth. And back Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters. It's the best day of the week. Uh, welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard live stream Torah portions. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. This is week 23, Peku day and it's Exodus 38, 21 through 40, 38. And um, we're going to finish up the book of Exodus today. So... Man, the time is flying. We're going to be in the book of Leviticus next week. So, uh, before we get into the Torah portion, uh, do a couple things. Let's uh, let's pray. Ask the Most High to bless this study, and uh, to open our eyes and ears ears to hear the wondrous things out of His Torah, which is Psalm 18. So, Heavenly Father, Yahweh, will we come before You and bless You, uh, a generation that's uh, seeking You with all of our heart, soul, and might, and loving our neighbor as the same. And we thank you for reconciling us through your Son, Messiah Yahusha, in whom we believe and trust. And we just ask you to bless the study and open our eyes to what your Word says and to give us the understanding that we may hearken and do what it says. We love you, and we bless you, and we thank you for Shabbat. I mean, with speaking about Shabbat, let's talk about it really quickly. Uh, This uh, passage in Jubilees, Yobelim, chapter 2, and this has kind of become... Tradition, not all traditions are bad. It's a tradition in my house to read it at our uh, our uh, Shabbat meals. So this is uh, Jubilees chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 17. And he finished all his work on the sixth day, all that is in the heavens and on the earth and in the seas and in the abysses and in the light and in the darkness and in everything. And he gave us a great sign, the Shabbat, that we should work six days, but guard the Shabbat on the seventh day from all work. Just plain, very simple. Six days plus one equals seven. That's a week. And all the angels of the presence and all the angels of sanctification, these two great classes, he has bidden us to guard the Shabbat with him in heaven and on earth. And uh, the book of Jubilee starts out by saying that this book was given to Moshe by the angels. And so the us is angels speaking. So what's amazing is um, at the same time, that Shabbat is being celebrated in heaven. It's being celebrated on earth as well. So this is an amazing weekly meeting with the Most High um, to do what he's told us to do. And he said unto us, Behold, I will separate unto myself a people from among all the peoples, and these shall guard the Shabbat, and I will sanctify them unto myself as my people, and will bless them, as I have sanctified the Shabbat, and do sanctify it unto myself. Even so will I bless them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their Elohim." And I have chosen the seed of Jacob from all that I have seen, and I have written him down as my firstborn son, and I have sanctified him unto myself forever and ever. And I will teach them the Shabbat that they may guard the Shabbat thereon from all work. And thus He created therein a sign in accordance with which they should guard the Shabbat with us on the seventh day, to eat and to drink. And to bless him who has created all things, as he has blessed and sanctified unto himself a peculiar people above all peoples, and that they should guard the Shabbat together with us. Amen. What an amazing passage. So, what a great honor to be able to um, participate in this most Kodesh, this most set apart holy day. So let's uh, read this last portion of Exodus. Not a whole lot going on here, uh, but there's a couple things I wanted to point out. And uh, at the end, I want to read a little bit from the book of Hebrews as we get into Leviticus. Uh, I want to kind of set the stage. I want to end Exodus. And before we get into Leviticus with the book of Hebrews to kind of put us in place kind of where we are right now. There's actually... Yeah, there's actually something I want to pull up really quickly that I forgot to do earlier. Give me a second. Uh, hang on a second. Okay, yeah. Okay, so Exodus 38, verse 21. This is the sum of the tabernacle, even of the tabernacle of testimony, as it was counted according to the commandment of Moshe, for the service of the Leviim, and by the hand of Ithamar, son to Aharon the priest. And Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Horai, of the tribe of Yehuda, made all that Yahweh commanded Moshe. And with him was Aholiab, the son of Ahisamak, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver, and a cunning workman, and an embroiderer in blue, and in purple, and in scarlet, and in fine linen." All the gold that was occupied for the work and all the work of the holy place, even the gold of the offering, was twenty and nine talents and seven hundred and thirty shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And the silver silver of them that were numbered of the assembly was a hundred talents and a thousand seven hundred and threescore and fifteen shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. A beka for every man, that is, half a shekel, after the shekel of the sanctuary. For everyone that went to be numbered from twenty years old and upward, for six hundred thousand and three thousand and five hundred and fifty men, and of the hundred talents of silver were cast sockets of the sanctuary, and the sockets of a veil, a hundred sockets of the hundred talents, a talent for a socket. And of the thousand seven hundred seventy and seven, I'm sorry, the thousand seven hundred seventy and five shekels he made hooks for the pillars and overlaid their chapters and filleted them and the brass of the offering was seventy talents and two thousand four hundred shekels and therewith he made the sockets to the door of the tabernacle of the assembly and the brazen altar and the brazen grate for it on all the vessels of the altar and the sockets of the court round about and the sockets of the court gate and all the pins of the tabernacle and all the pins of the court round about so you know it is amazing that. Yahweh, you know, through his word made all things in this earth. And, you know, I mean, I hate even referencing what we were taught in school, but we even learned through uh, what's taught in school is that everything has a kind of symbiosis. Like everything kind of works together uh, to keep um, nature running its course. Like you have, I guess, like a food chain. You know, this thing eats that and that eats that and that eats that. Uh, This you know, thing lives off that thing and this thing lives because of that thing and this thing eats that and that's eaten. And then, you know, I mean, it's just everything, everything like even the the waste that comes out of animals and even man, you know, goes to fertilize the ground and it's the whole process starts all over again. Um, you know, it's amazing that, you know, even when it comes down to the details of man, that he makes each man according to what essentially what they were born to do uh, to keep even like society going, um, and I want to read a passage about that. What I mean is like some men were made to be, um, you know, carpenters, and some were made to be smiths, and some were made to do this and that. Um, and so we're seeing here, you know, like uh, these men that made the sanctuary, you know, that was the skill, that was the skill of wisdom and understanding given to them through the Most High. So we see that skill and wisdom given isn't just for reading the scriptures and interpreting the scriptures and talking about the word or prophecy or, um, you know, things like that. It's also for physical labor, you know, to, to the service of Yah and to the service of man. Uh, we saw earlier, not this portion, but I think it was the last or the second before that, uh, that, um, you know, that uh, Beth of the, the tribe of Yehuda was given the spirit of wisdom and understanding to complete these things for the for the tabernacles. So there's an interesting passage in the book of Ecclesiasticus Sirach that I want to read, and it's called uh, it's yeah it's chapter 38 24 through 34. It's called trades and crafts. So. The wisdom of the scribe depends on the opportunity of leisure and he who has little business may become wise. That's at least talking about the scripture, the wisdom of the scriptures. Now, how can he who become how can he become wise who handles the plow and who glories in the shaft of the goad, who drives oxen and is occupied with their work and whose talk is about bulls? He he sets his heart on plowing furrows and he is careful about fodder for their heifers, so too is every craftsman and every Master workman who labors by night as well as by day. Those who cut the signets of seals, each is diligent in making a great variety. He sets his heart on painting a lifelike image, and he is careful to finish his work. So too is the smith sitting by the anvil, intent on his handiwork in iron. The breath of the fire melts his flesh, and he wastes away in the heat of the furnace. He inclines his ear to the sound of the hammer. And his eyes are, are on the pattern of the object. He sets his heart on finishing his handiwork, and he is careful to complete its decoration. So too is the potter sitting at his work and turning the wheel with his feet. He is always deeply concerned over his work, and all his output is by number. He molds the clay with his arm, and makes it pliable with his feet. He sets his heart to finish the glazing, and he is careful to clean the furnace. All these rely upon their hands, and each is skillful in his own work. Without them, a city cannot be established, and men can neither sojourn nor live there. So I want to pause there real quick. So it started off by saying, you know, the scribe, has wisdom in the scriptures by the freedom of time that he's been afforded. Um, And so, but he also goes on to say that people that are, you know, busy all day with farming and busy all day with, you know, being a, a carpenter or a potter or whatever, they don't have the kind of time to spend in the scriptures all day long. But that's not a bad thing, right? Not everybody's called to... Uh, teach the word as we know. Um, even the book of James says, let there be few of you that do so, um, but all everything for its purpose, and just like how nature works together, you know, some men are made to be potters, and some are made to be um, um, farmers, and some are made to be uh, at least full-time farmers, right? Some are made to, um, you know, uh, be a smith, and some are made to be... Um, a carpenter, so on and so forth, and it says right here, without them, a city cannot be established, and men cannot sojourn and live there. So, you know, if you don't have the time to, you know, sit and read the scriptures all day, know that that Yah has a purpose for each and every one of us, and not that any one of us are above the other. And that's, you know, um, I often say that I'm not your teacher, the Most High, or Yahusha is your teacher, and that's not to say. And people, um, I've actually had a couple of people come at me lately and say, you can't say that just to like get yourself out of trouble um, you know, by saying, by saying that. And that's not actually why I say that. Why, um, I, I, the reason I say I'm not your teacher is because, you know, ultimately we, our teacher is Yahusha. Now he has given, um, some of us the, the ability to do things like that. But I say that because, you know, you are responsible, even though, you know, I, I may say certain things, anything that I say, I research and make sure that it's the right thing. Otherwise I wouldn't open my mouth. Um, You know, but that's not to say that I might be wrong about some things that I just can't see yet and that it's up to you to, you know, check the scriptures for yourself or verify those kind of things because I do know that I will be judged by by what I say. Anyways, I don't want to get off off topic here, but the point being is that he made us all to do what we were called to do. And I pray that you are doing what he's called you to do. And who's to say, you know, when when New Jerusalem comes that, you know... (laughs) you know carpenters will be needed and and all everybody will kind of work together as it was originally intended um and so all i say is is whatever skill yahuwah has given you recognize it walk in it um and be happy with what he's given each and every one us to do to do because um he's the one that gives the wisdom in whatever whatever craft you're in um I say craft skill. We'll call it skill. Whatever skill he's given you, um, that's what he's given you. And we're to be happy and rejoice in the portion that each and every one of his is given. You know, just like the parable of the talents, he gave each uh, of the three uh, according to his ability, according to the ability that was given to him from above. And so whatever we're doing, whatever specialty we have of the Most High, uh, let's thank him for it and let's walk in it and do it the best of what we can. So if you're a welder, well the best you can if you're a carpenter well carpenter (laughs) the best you can it's not proper english but you know what i mean uh let's be happy with what the what the what the most high has given us so just something i wanted to uh to share with you um okay so chapter 39 so this is the making of the priestly garments and of the blue and of the purple and of the scarlet they made cloths of service to do service in the holy place and made the holy garments for Aharon, as Yahweh commanded Moshe, and he made the ephod of gold, blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen. And they did beat the gold into thin plates and cut it into wires to work it in the blue and in the purple and in the scarlet and in the fine linen with cunning work. They made shoulder pieces for it, to couple it together. By the two edges was it coupled together, and the belt of his ephod that it was that was upon it was the same, according to the work thereof of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And they wrought onyx stones, enclosed in ouches of gold, graven as signets are graven, with the names of the children of Yashrael. And he put them on the shoulders of the ephod, that they should be stones for a memorial to the children of Yashrael, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he made the breastplate of cunning work, like the work of ephod of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen. We talked about linen last week. Um, man, uh, it's really... I really want to get some more linen wear. I just want to toss everything else out. I do like cotton still, by the way, again. Um, cotton is comfortable, and um, I don't feel like it drags you down like polyester does, or rayon, or any of those garbage fabrics. Um But I look forward to it. Um, I put my linens on every time I do studies. And so I look forward to it uh, because there is something just comforting about these linens. I just, I want some more of them. Anyways, uh, look into it. If you haven't looked into it, there is something to it. It was four square. They made the breastplate double. A span was the length thereof and a span the breadth thereof being doubled. And they set it in four rows of stones. The first row was of a sardius, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This was the first row. And the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the thir- third row, a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. In the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They were enclosed in ouches of gold in their enclosings. And the stones were according to the names of the children of Yashur-el, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, every one with his name according to the twelve tribes. And we spoke about this, about how these... Really closely matched, other than maybe just some translational differences between um, the original Hebrew and what became the what became the the Greek text for the Book of Revelation for the twelve foundation stones. I find that I believe that they are actually all one and the same, and um, of course. Uh, Yahusha being the chief cornerstone, uh, the the the, chi- the the most important of um, the building blocks of that. But I do believe that we are uh, essentially building blocks of New Jerusalem, or like part of the building. And they made upon the breastplate chains at the ends of wreathen work of pure gold, and they made two ouches of gold and two rings, and put the two rings in the two ends of the breastplate. And they put the two wreathen chains of gold in the two rings on the ends of the breastplate, and the two ends of the two wreathen chains they fastened in the two ouches, and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it. And they made two rings of gold and put them on the two ends of the breastplate upon the border of it, which was on the side of the ephod, inward. And they made two other golden rings and put them on the two sides of the ephod underneath, toward the fore part of it, over against the other coupling thereof, above the belt of the ephod. And they did blind the breastplate not blind, they did bind the breastplate by his rings unto the rings of the Ephod with a lace of blue, that it might be above the belt of the Ephod, and that the breastplate might not be loosed from the Ephod as Yahuwah commanded Moshe, and he made the robe of the Ephod of woven work all of blue, and there was a hole in the midst of the robe as the hole of a habergin, with a band round about the hole that it should not rend. And they made upon the hems of the robe pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet of twined linen. And they made bells of pure gold, and put the bells between the pomegranates upon the hem of the robe, round about between the pomegranates. A bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate round about the hem of the robe to minister in, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And we read last week in the Targum that said there were seventy one. So whatever significance that number has. And they made the coats of fine linen of woven work for Aharon, for his sons, and a turban of fine linen, and a goodly bonnet of fine linen, and linen breeches of fine twine linen, and a belt of fine twine linen, and blue and purple and scarlet of needlework, as Yahu commanded Moshe. And they made the plates of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote upon it a writing, like the engravings of a signet, Kodesh, Yahweh, holiness to Yahweh. And they tied it into a lace of blue to fasten it on high upon the turban, as Yahweh commanded Moshe. Thus was all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of the assembly finished. And the children of Yashuael did according to all that Yahweh commanded Moshe, so did they. And they brought the tabernacle unto El Moshe, the tent, and all its furniture his tashes his boards his bars his pillars and his sockets and the covering of ram skins dyed red and the covering of purple skins the veil of the covering the ark of the testimony and the staves thereof and the mercy seat the table and all its vessels thereof and the showbread the pure menorah, the seven-branched candlestick, with the lamps thereof, even with the lamps to be set in order, and all the vessels thereof, and the light for, and the oil for the light, and the golden altar, and the anointing oil, and the sweet incense, and the hanging for the tabernacle door, the brazen altar, and his grate of brass, his staves, and all his vessels, the laver and his foot, the hangings of the court, his pillars and his sockets, and the hanging for the court gate his cords and his pins and all the vessels of the service of the tabernacle for the tent of the assembly, the cloths of service to do service in the holy place and the holy garments for Aharon the priest and his son's garments to minister in the priest's office, according to all that Yahuwah commanded Moshe. So the children of Yashrael made all the work. And Moshe did look upon all the work, and behold, they had done it as Yahuwah commanded. Even so had they done it, and Moshe blessed them. All right, so um, a lot of this is just recapping, so not a whole lot to go over. And so now let's go to chapter forty, and we're going to finish up Exodus. And Yahweh spoke unto Moses, saying, "On the first day of the month, shall you set up the tabernacle of the tent of assembly, a tent of the assembly." So you know, we know that the we know that the um, the tabernacle and all its vessels, everything was a copy of what's going on in heaven. So I wonder, you know, in a prophetic sense, I wonder if. New Jerusalem will be set up on the first day of the first month, right? Getting re- getting ready for uh, the feast days, right? So, And what's interesting about that is um, a couple things about the, the first month I want to share. We've got Hosea 6, 1 through 3. Come, let us return unto Yahuwah, for he has torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us, in the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. This is uh, we've talked about this before about the 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 you know the healing of Messiah and on the third day so at the after the end of the two thousand years or the beginning of that uh, at the you know beginning of the seven thousandth year if you will. Um, the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know Yahweh. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come to us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. And the reason I'm reading that is this latter and former rain. Let's read this in Joel 2. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in your Elohim, for He has given you the former rain moderately, and He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. So we have kind of these prophetic things about uh, this coming down of the first month. But even more so, uh, I want to read, you know, if, if the tabernacle is to be set up, uh, in the first day of the first month, preparing for Passover. Check this out. This is Jeremiah 38 in the Septuagint, which is Jeremiah 31 in the Mas- Masoretic. But in the Septuagint, we have something, a piece of information we don't get in the Masoretic. It says, Behold, I will bring them from, this is the regathering, I will bring them from the north, and will gather them from the end of the earth to the feast of Passover, and the people shall beget a great multitude, and they shall return hither. So wouldn't it be interesting if the the, the forever tabernacle is set up here on earth uh, on the first day of the first month, which um, for some people on their calendars, that's already passed. The calendar that I'm following is coming up uh, pretty soon, I think that'll be on the was it the thirteenth or fourteenth uh, day of April? I can't remember off the top of my head, but anyways, um, I'll be looking that day because you know every year for the rest of my life on the first day of the first month of when that could ca- when that could happen. So just something to consider. And you shall put therein the ark of the testimony, and cover the ark with the veil. So we're back at Exodus chapter forty, verse three. And now verse four, and you shall bring in the table and set in order the things that are set to be in order upon it, and you shall bring in the menorah and the light of the and light the lamps thereof, and you shall set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony, and put the hanging of the door to the tabernacle, and you shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the assembly, and you shall set the labor between the tent of the assembly and the altar, and shall put water therein, and you shall set up the court round about and hang up. Up the hangings of the court gate and you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all its on all that is therein and shall hallow it and all the vessels thereof and it shall be holy And you shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and all its vessels, and sanctify the altar, and it shall be an altar most holy. And you shall anoint the laver and his foot, and sanctify it. And you shall bring Aharon and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the assembly, and wash them with water. And you shall put upon Aharon the holy garments, and anoint him, and sanctify him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And you shall bring his sons, and clothe them with coats. And you shall anoint them as you anointed their father that they may minister unto me in the priest's office for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations thus did moshe according to all that Yahweh commanded him so did he and it came to pass in the first month in the second year on the first day of the month that the tabernacle was reared up and moshe reared up the tabernacle and fastened his sockets and set up the boards thereof and put in the bars thereof and reared up his pillars and he spread abroad the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent above upon it, yeah, the covering of the tent above upon it as Yahweh commanded Moshe. And he took the testimony into the ark and set up the staves on the ark and put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the covering and covered the ark of the testimony as Yahweh commanded Moshe. And he put the table in the tent of the assembly upon the sides of the tabernacle northward without the veil. And he set the bread in order upon it before Yahuwah as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he put the benorah in the tent of the assembly over against the table on the side of the tabernacle southward. And he lighted the lamps before Yahuwah as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he put the golden altar in the tent of the assembly before the veil, and he burnt sweet incense thereon as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he set up the hangings at the door of the tabernacle, and he put the altar of burnt offering by the door of the tabernacle of the tent of assembly, and offered it upon the burnt offering. <laughs> offered it upon the burnt offering and the meat offering as Yahweh commanded Moshe, and he set the laver between the tent of the assembly and the altar, and put water there to wash withal. And Moshe and Aharon and his sons washed their hands and their feet thereat, and they went into the tent of the assembly, and when they came near unto the altar, they washed as Yahweh commanded Moshe. And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the hanging of the court gate, so Moshe finished the work. Then the, then a cloud covered the tent of the assembly and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle. And Moshe was not able to enter into the tent of the assembly because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up over the tabernacle, the children of Yashael went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed, not until the day that it was taken up, for the cloud of Yahweh was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And it's interesting to know that that cloud uh, is Messiah Yahusha. I'll show you Jude one five in the interlinear. Um, this is Jude one five to remind you. Uh, to remind you now, you. To remind you now, you want. To, sorry. To remind you, I want having you at one time all this that Yahusha, a people. Oh my goodness. Yeah, let's just read it <laughs> regularly and then. Okay, now I desire to remind you that though you were once for all fully informed that he who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And so it's interesting here that the Greek actually says Aisus, uh, so it's Messiah, who's the one that took them out of Egypt, right? And, and um, anyways, so I just thought it was pretty interesting. For the cloud of Yahuwah was upon the tabernacle of day and fire was on by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And so we are finished with the book of um, the book of Exodus. Now, I want to read a little bit of Hebrews because, you know, what's what's coming in the next book. Uh, we do have some interesting things we can glean from it. A lot of it has to do with the sacrifices. And uh, so one thing we have to establish is Hosea 3, 4. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without a teraphim. So, it was prophesied that we would be without this working Levitical priesthood. It'll be reestablished at the coming of Yahusha, But uh, without a working Levitical priesthood, without, um, you know, these uh, sacrifices. Uh, and we're going to learn, you know, a little bit about... Why here in Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, I think a lot of people have misunderstood it. People like to make it think it's talking about uh, doing away with the old law and a, and a new law. Uh, but really, the whole thing is about the priesthood and the sacrifices, the changing of the guard uh, of the priesthood and sacrifices, if you will. So we're going to read from Hebrews 8. And I, I want to segue this into, uh, before we get into Leviticus, and we'll be referring, we're going to read Hebrews 8, 9, 8 and 9, and 10, and then 13. Now the summary of what we are saying is: is this, we have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the greatness in the heavens, and who serves in the set apart place of the true tent which Yahweh set up, and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and slaughters sacrifices. So it was also necessary for this one to have somewhat to offer. For if indeed he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the Torah, who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly, as Moshe was warned when he was about to make the tent. For he said, See that you make all according to the pattern shown you in the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent service inasmuch as he is our also mediator of a better covenant which was constituted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. For finding fault with them, not fault, fault with the Torah, finding fault with them, he says, See, the days are coming, says Yahuwah, when I shall conclude with the house of Yisrael and with the house of Yehuda a renewed covenant, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the, hand, the land of Mitzrayim, because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says Yahuwah, because this is the covenant that I shall make with the house of Yisrael after those days, says Yahuwah, giving my laws in their mind, and I shall write them on their hearts. Not, this doesn't mean like, oh, the law's on our hearts, so we just follow our heart. No, it just, they're supposed to be on our hearts, so that we actually, in our minds, so we actually follow them. Then I shall be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. And they shall by no means teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, No Yahuwah, because they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Now, this part hasn't happened yet, because I can tell you, you know, uh, I don't know what your neighbor's situations looks like. Because I shall forgive their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawlessness, I shall no longer remember. By saying, renewed, he has made the first old. Now what becomes old and growing aged is near disappearing. So it's not uh, done away with. Chapter 9. Now the first covenant indeed had regulations of worship and the earthly set-apart place. For a tent was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, and the table and the showbread, which is called the set-apart place and after the veil after the second veil the part of the tent which is called the most set apart place or the most holy place to which belonged the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold in which were the golden pot that held the manna and the rod of aharon that budded and the t- tablets of the covenant and above it the cherubim of esteem were overshadowing the place of atonement, about which we do not speak in detail, and these having been prepared like this, the priest always went into the first part of the tent accomplishing the services. But unto the second part the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of ignorance of the people, the Set-apart Spirit signifying this, that the way into the most set-apart place was not yet manifest while the first tent has a standing, which was a parable for the present time in which both gifts and slaughters are offered, which are unable to perfect the one serving as to his conscience only as to foods and drinks and different washings and fresh, fleshly regulations imposed until a time of settling matters straight. And so again, this is not talking about, um, you know, this is not talking about doing away with the commandments and the Torah. This is all, this is talking about just the sacrifices and offerings, how it would be changed. And there's, we're going to talk about it more when we get into Leviticus. There was tons of prophecy. The Most High says, I don't do anything, but but that I reveal it through my servants, the prophets, first. There was tons of prophecies that the sacrifices, that he never really wanted those. I mean, he never really wanted us to leave the Garden of Eden, but we saw that he knew that he, that we would eventually. He never wanted us to sin, but he knew that we would, so he suffered us, you know, these sacrifices, until the time that Messiah Yahushua came and set the matters straight. But Messiah, having become a high priest of the coming of good matters, Through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of his creation, entered into the most set apart place once and for all, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, having obtained an everlasting redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the defiled, sets apart for the clean cleansing of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Messiah? who through the everlasting spirit offered himself unblemished Elohim, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living Elohim, right? Dead works, dead works is not the works of the Torah, dead works is, you know, from um, works of death, you know, which is um, choosing death as opposed to choosing life. And because of this, he is the mediator of a renewed covenant so that death having taken place for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, those who are called might receive the promise of the everlasting inheritance for where a covenant is, it is necessary for the death of the covenanted one to be established for a covenant over those dead is firm since it is never valid while the covenanted one is living. Therefore, not even the first covenant was instituted without blood. For when, according to the Torah, every command had been spoken by Moshe to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which Elohim commanded you. In the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and all the vessels of the service, and according to the Torah, almost all that is cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then that copies of the heavenly ones should be cleansed with these, but the heavenly ones themselves with better slaughter offerings than these. For Messiah has not entered into a set-apart place made by hand, figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of Elohim on our behalf. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters into the set-apart place year by year with blood not his own. For if so, he would have, have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the offering of himself. And as it awaits men to die once, and after this the judgment, so also the Messiah having been offered once to bear the sins of many shall appear a second time apart from sin to those waiting for him unto deliverance. And actually we're going to read Hebrews 10 and 13 when we start um, Leviticus next week. So uh, with that brothers and sisters, we're going to end here and um, I pray that this is a good start to your Shabbat and I pray that you uh, continue to enjoy it uh, throughout the um, um, the morning and afternoon tomorrow and evening and and again remember a day to eat and to drink and to bless him who has created all things and if you've got local fellowship i encourage you to find some if you don't have any fellowship i encourage you to find some um but with that brothers and sisters uh let's end with a quick prayer and uh yeah we'll uh continue the shabbat so Heavenly Father, Yahweh Most High, we come before you, Abba, in Yahusha's name. And we thank you for your Torah. We thank you for your whole word, which is a light unto our path. And we just bless you and thank you when we ask that you prepare our hearts and forgive us our iniquities and that we just may walk cleanly before you. Um, and we just thank you for the offering that Messiah Husha has done for us to cleanse us. And uh, we just thank you for your whole word. And we pray that you continue to open our eyes and ears to be hearers and doers of your word. Uh, We love you, and we say Shabbat Shalom to you. Amen and hallelujah. So with that, brothers and sisters, um, I I pray this might have been a a blessing to you, and uh, Shabbat Shalom.
1: I sing to Yahuwah, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Yah is my strength and song, and he has become my deliverance. He is my El, and I praise him, Elohim of my Father, and I exalt him. Yahweh is a man of battle, Yahweh is his name. He has cast Pharaoh's chariots and his army into the sea. And his chosen officers are drowned in the Sea of reeds. The depths covered them They went down to the bottom like a stone Your right hand, oh Yahuwah has become great in power Your right hand, O oh, Yahoo, has crushed the enemy And in the greatness of your excellence You pulled down those who rose up against you You set forth your wrath It consumed them like stubble And with the wind of your nostrils, the waters were heaped up. The floods stood like a wall, the depths became stiff in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I pursue, I overtake, I divide the spoil, my being is satisfied on them. I draw out my sword, my hand destroys them You blew with your wind, the sea covered them They sank like lead in the mighty waters Who is like you, O Yahuwah, among the mighty like you prayed in kodesh awesome in praises working wonders you stretched out your right hand the earth swallowed them in your kindness you led the people whom you have redeemed in your strength you guided them to your kodesh dwelling People's heard, they trembled. Anguish gripped the inhabitants of Teresheth. Then the chiefs of Eddom were troubled, the mighty men of Moab. Trembling grips them, all the inhabitants of Canaan melted. Fear and dread fell on them by the greatness of your arm. They are as silent as a stone Until your people pass over Oh, Yahuwah Until the people whom you have bought Pass over You bring them in and plant them In the mountain of your for your own dwelling the meek dash oh which your hands have prepared yahwah reigns forever and ever